Good morning, Alan. Bradley, it's nice to hear. I was just talking to you very briefly off air there for a second to make sure we were lined up with you. And uh, the last time you and I spoke, you were far from calm. You were crossing the border from Ukraine into Poland. How are you? What's been happening since? Uh, well, we're all good. We've been lucky enough to find a place to live up here in Leitrim, near my family in Sligo. Um, we've been here for about two months, and yeah, all is well. Um, it's, it's a drastic change from uh, late February, beginning of March. Um, we spent a good deal of time in Poland, just kind of trying to, you know gather ourselves and get ready for the journey across the continent back to Ireland and uh, yeah, just glad to be safe but uh, on, on this, at the same time, you know just kind of feeling a bit helpless and yeah. want to kind of help in whatever way I, we can Right, uh, I, I'm going to try and pronounce your wife's name it's Anastasia, is it? Or, or can you just pronounce it for me please because I know I've got it wrong Anna- <laughs> it's Anastasia, but everyone Anastasia. calls her Anna here. All right, I, I'll stick with Anna as well, if you don't mind, for the moment. How is no she? Worries. Because, I mean, the article and the story you've shared with me as well um, highlights that uh, you are divided. You've got your own family where you are at the moment, and there's a very strong Wexford link because your mum, of course, said he used to work with us here in Southeast Radio. Fabulous broadcaster. And now uh, you've got another family in, in, in Ukraine. How are they doing? How are they coping? Um, surprisingly well. Um, you know, Anna speaks to them every day. Um, they've kind of acclimatized, I guess, to the the way things are now in Ukraine. Um, there were times when we were in Poland and they were speaking to, to each other and the phone call would have been interrupted by, a, like, an airstrike siren and that would have kind of induced some level of panic uh, for her and her family. But now if that happens, it's all very calm it's like, look, the siren's going off I'll ring you back once we got the, we get the all clear um, and thankfully where they are nothing drastic has happened, as has happened in other parts of the country um, yeah. so they're, you know her mom's still working, her grandparents are well, um, a lot of people, like internal refugees have ended up where they are where they're living in the west of Ukraine and yeah, just you know, um, yeah, the, the town is united and the country is united, and you know they're do, everyone's doing anything they can to help anybody that's been affected by this, you know, just horrific, yeah. horrific invasion. Like when I was just glancing back and, and trying to put together a little montage of where we were when this story started. First of all, you were actually there, Alexander Dubček, who we speak to regularly and still do. He was brought into the army and then let back into business, and he is back in Kiev as we speak at the moment. But I mean, you in the, said that this war has been going on since 2014. You're talking about areas like the Donbass, etc. So. Now, I'm led to believe that already they're trying to rebuild some of the bridges, some of the infrastructure around Kiev that was blown up by the Russians. So they're not, they're not standing in ceremony, are they? And over a million people have gone back to Ukraine. Is that right? Yeah, apparently. So now I hear that the queues, some queues at the Polish border are actually larger to get back into the country than they are to get out, which would have been unimaginable to think when I was standing there in a traffic jam 10 kilometers long trying to get out um yeah you're right in parts of the region the key region they've started rebuilding roads they've started rebuilding bridges um they've cleaned up as much as they could 
of some of the towns that were devastated and some of the things that happened there, the atrocities that were committed by the Russian army were just unthinkable. Um, but that being said, there are still a lot of towns and villages and settlements um, in the north of the country which has been liberated for the past month or so um, that are still, you know, devastated essentially. You know, they have no access to supermarkets, they've all been destroyed. There's no bus routes connecting them to Kiev because the roads have been destroyed. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's like a large role has been played by volunteers now on a daily basis to get out to these people in these regions yeah. from Kiev with supplies. Um, um, but, yeah, it's, it's incredible to think that, you know, despite the fact that a large part of the country is a war zone, that, you know, the rebuilding has essentially begun in parts of the country and it's, yeah. you know... There's no point wasting any time, I suppose. But you're not wasting any time because there's part of you wants to go back as soon as it's safe to do so. How, how do your family feel about you thinking that you'd like to get back there again sooner rather than later? You're talking about maybe as early as August that you and Anna would like to go back. What's the feeling there? Because I know your family were very concerned for both of you and also Anna's family. In fact, part of one of the interviews you said to me, you wanted to bring the entire family over from Ukraine. So what's the reaction now? What's the thought process? Um, well, yeah, of course. I won't be going anywhere until it's incredibly safe to do so. Now, parts of Kiev, uh, well, the Kiev region, to the, um, the entirety of the north of Ukraine is has been liberated, so there's no Russian troops on the ground. But yet you do still have air strike sirens on a daily basis, and there is that threat that still lingers there. I think in the past month or so, Kiev may have only been struck once, yeah. which unfortunately led to the, the death of one person. Um, but as for my family, I mean, you know, of course, I'm sure they're a little bit worried about the idea, but they've known since we left Ukraine that at one point we would love to go back because, you know, the... Our home is there, and that's where we have lived since 2017. All right. Um, and, yeah, if, you know, I won't go back unless, you know, I feel comfortable to do so. Um, okay. If, yeah, I, I can imagine <laughs> yeah. mum and dad might be a bit anxious about it, but, um, yeah, right. like, it's very loosely planned. Okay, Bradley, you know, before, before I round off my chat with you, you're, you're doing major fundraising because if you do go back, and when you do go back, you want to bring back, you want to, you don't want to go in empty-handed. Tell me about your fundraiser and how people here in County Wexford can support you. You are a Wexford man, you've come through a torrid time, but now you want to give back. If people want to support you, what can they do? Right, so basically, uh, a week ago, I set up a, a GoFundMe campaign online. Um, I'm hoping to raise... As much money as possible, I've set a target of 10,000 euro, and so far I almost have 1,300 euro, which has been incredible, really, the support I've got from friends, family, strangers, just everyone who's come across it and have been willing to help. It's been amazing. But essentially, uh, what I want to do at some point when I do get back is to uh, coordinate with these volunteers who are traveling north of Kiev to these devastated regions, um, and they go... Um, Basically, they're, they're, uh, they, they, they go in a convoy of supply trucks. They're uh, joined by a military, so they're under the supervision of the military and, you know, have the security of that. And, uh, yeah, basically, they pack up their trucks, maybe three or four or five different trucks and vans with bread, all sorts of food, water, you know, medical care, um, pet supplies, just anything, because these people have no supermarkets anymore. Right. They have nothing. They have... 
no access to get any of these things. I mean, I saw one video um, of a guy who cycled four hours from the north on his bike just to get to a supermarket in Kiev. Four so hours. this one organization that I'm hoping to work with on a daily basis are delivering um, 500 loaves of bread, um, you know, washing up liquid, uh, supplies to help rebuild homes, you know, glass for windows, you know, a lot of roofs have been destroyed, so they're helping rebuilding roofs of homes as well, and, um, you know, the gardens and their farms and so on. So basically, all the money I raise will go directly towards that. I will be documenting the entire process, and on a single cent will be left to spare. It'll all be going directly to these people who need it right. to help get their lives back on track. And, yeah, if anyone is in a position to donate or even to share it, I would really appreciate it. You can find it online if you just search Victims of War in Ukraine, GoFundMe, or if you just search Bradley Stafford, GoFundMe. Thanks, You'll Bradley. find the campaign. I've described the whole campaign there as well. I'm keeping yeah. donors updated on a regular basis and... Yeah, every little penny will go such a long way because, yeah, so far I've raised almost 1,300 euro, which in some parts of rural Ukraine is the equivalent to, you know, half a year's salary. All right. Bradley, thank thank you so much for joining us this morning. We continue to mention that GoFundMe page for you. Thank you for talking to us. Stay well, and uh, I wish you the very best. And look, and hopefully you and Anna will be able to get back to Ukraine when it is safe to do so. But do keep in touch with us. Our thanks uh, to Bradley Stafford there. Again, if you'd like to donate, search for Victims of War in Ukraine, fundraiser by Bradley Stafford on GoFundMe.